I didn't have a visa. I didn't have an income. <laughs> and he was like, I can't pay you. And I don't know how we're going to get visas. But and I was like, I'll do it. <laughs> you know, we really believe in what we're doing. But yeah, it's super challenging to raise money um, on an idea. Every day is different. There's Eduardo and I just joke about like the zigzag of life that is the entrepreneurial world. Literally, it's just like straight up and straight down in one day sometimes. You know, first you got to define the what. But then if you, once you know the what, you can come up with the how and the when. I mean, if I would have known how long it was going to take, I would have probably not done it. Hello, guys, and welcome back to Relevant Founders, brought to you by Relevant Software. Relevant is an international software development company that designs, builds, and delivers world-class standard products, Fortune 500 companies, and promising startups. Today with us, guys, we've got two people on the show. Co-founders, Eduardo and Tamara of the Smart Container Company. Tamara, if you would start for me. Sure. Um, so we are an IoT startup, which is Internet of Things. We are focused on the draft beer supply chain at the moment. So the advancements to that industry have been quite limited, even though it's one of the largest industries in the world, one of the oldest industries in the world. So we're taking the keg, which is the most sustainable packaging option for delivering beer. It's a circular economy asset. It's long lasting life. So we are leveraging that and adding technology to it. So connecting the beer keg to the internet to be able to deliver transparency and insights, better operational efficiency, sustainability for the industry. So mm. there's a lot of improvements that we can make um, using our technology. Nice. Cool, cool, cool. Tell me, I'm glad you explained keg as well. I'm not sure this is like more of an American term because um, I searched it when I was looking at your company before and I searched it and I thought, oh, I'm not sure if that's American, um, but keg tracker. Yeah. So you've got your keg tracker, um, which we'll go into more detail uh, about a bit later on. Um, Eduardo, if you could just uh, explain to our listeners as well, we've got a whole range of different listeners. Yeah, we've got from uh, startup founders, we've got from engineers, we've got from people who are looking to come into the industry. Um, tell me, what is, so tomorrow I mentioned their IoT. Yeah, what is IoT? Why is it so useful right now? Well, the Internet of Things is the, um, it, it's just a broad term for connecting objects to the internet. Things, it means literally things. Mm -hmm. So uh, objects that are opaque, objects that such as a chair, a lamp, a thermostat, a sensor on a pipe, all, the, all this information, what it helps us do is now that we're in 2022, the internet is widely available. Batteries have improved over the course of the year and the cost of electronics is certainly low. We have now we're now in a position in which we can start doing these things in an economically viable way uh, of connecting them to the internet. Uh, so like Tamara said, for us, I mean, our current use case is just draft beer kegs, but you know, having knowledge of all this information really, I guess, help us achieve the next generation of supply chain optimization and digitization. Uh, you know, some people uh, like to call this industry 4.0. Mm -hmm. It's the next generation, I guess, after, you know, you first had the first uh, industrial revolution when, when the printing was discovered. Then second generation was when people discovered uh, combustion, right? 
there was a new uh, amount of technologies that evolved. Third generation was when like the internet was uh, became available. Uh, that was in the early 2000s. And uh, now we're at the fourth generation where 5G is available everywhere. And, you know, we're now talking about self-driving cars. Uh, we're talking about flying cars. We're talking about, you know, AI, machine learning and things like that. So this is the fourth industrial revolution. The Internet of Things is a subset of it. So both co-founders, how did you find each other? <laughs> well, um, it's actually a good story. Um, Eduardo and I actually knew each other already from New York from like 15 years ago. Large number, I hate to say out loud, but true. So we share a lot of mutual friends. And um, I had heard that he had left New York for Wales at some point to start a company focused on beer and technology. And I remember thinking that that was so random that he had ended up in the UK. And then um, about a year later, I was in London and um, I was working on an app at the time that had just failed. Um, and I and Eduardo reached out to me and asked me what I was up to. And um, yeah, we ended up meeting up and he explained to me what he was working on. And I was incredibly impressed and interested. And so that's what brought us here. Interesting, interesting. And Eduardo, why why London? So I'm sorry, why the UK? So Tamara said that you went to Wales. Why did you think about the UK for your next? Oh, uh, the uh, US uh, for the industry that we're in. The U.S. is probably the most complicated ecosystem where we could, in theory, want to launch our product at. Uh, so unlike the U.K., where, like, let's say, a large brewery like Heineken owns all its distribution, owns its kegs, but also owns the pubs, mm -hmm. in, the, in the U.S., there's something called a three-tier system, mm -hmm. uh, which is something that... Uh, arised out of a prohibition. Again, the US is the only country that had prohibition uh, back in the 1920s. Uh, once they allowed al alcohol back in the market, uh, what the government wanted to do is allow it in a sort of like a thoughtful control manner. So what they did is um, uh, they set some regulation in place where brewers cannot distribute their beer and they cannot sell it either. So since our technology interacts with all three parties uh, it's just a lot more difficult to get all parties involved to do a pilot or get them to purchase the technology versus here in the UK uh, the uh, market is a lot more consolidated mm -hmm. let's say like the top uh, 20 largest breweries own almost 90 something percent of the market share over there in order to try it we have to do three to the third power Mm -hmm. in order to uh, get someone to agree to do a pilot here in the UK or actually the rest of the world. It's usually just one party we have to deal with. Uh, the UK just also, you know, draft beer, ale, it's just like very embedded into the culture. And so it's a great place to start a company such as this. And then the ability to expand, you know, once you've had some success and you've gained um, some sort of reputation as a brand into mm -hmm. other markets, even such as the US becomes more simple yeah that is correct keg usage in the u.s is not very high it's most beers drank using single use containers 
-huh. which bottles and cans. So um, in a way, that's kind of like why we started the company to encourage more use of the keg so that you know people just use less of those uh, single-use containers. Uh, it's important to highlight that like the um, carbon emissions uh, used from using the keg is 10 times and 20 times less than using a, a bottle and can respectively. Tell me, um, Eduardo, though, just quickly on this, is it something that interested you before when you were in the US? I mean, this is a very kind of niche um, market. Is it something that interested you specifically this industry or was it something that um, you just saw an opportunity or is it something that you had like an interest in before? Um, well, I mean, Tamara and I, we both have friends that are in, uh, I guess we're both foodies. We're both beer aficionados. Uh, we do like to be social. Uh, so definitely, I mean, at least for me, it was something that I was interested in. Uh, I'm an ex-strategy and technology consultant. So mm -hmm. for me, I was typically advising banks or advising Unilevers or uh, conglomerates such as that. Uh, the uh, move towards, I guess, the creation of the smart container really sparks from, I guess, an interest in entrepreneurship and an interest in, I guess, doing a project mm -hmm. in, a, in a sector where not a lot of innovation uh, currently exists, as Tamara said earlier. Nice. Okay, cool, guys. Right, let's get on to uh, our 10 main questions, which we're going to uh, cover today. Tamara, we're going to start with you. How did you guys come up with the company name? Was it one of these things that took a long time? Or was it just something, boom, we know what we want? Well, it was originally called uh, F&W Insights, actually. So food and wine insights. And uh -huh. so that just shows you the evolution of the original concept to where we are today. So like Eduardo mentioned, a shared you know, enjoyment of the hospitality sector um, and an interest in wastage, namely uh, solving for, for waste in that industry. Mm -hmm. So it was originally the focus was on um, sort of smart objects in hospitality. And then the more research that Eduardo did uh, into that particular sector, the more he realized he was being pointed behind the bar and then, you know, the obvious use case became the keg out of all these single use bottles. So once uh, that was identified, the name had to change because it was no longer, you know, aligned. So, you know, we spent some time on it and we, had, we threw around a lot of ideas and ultimately like it does what it says on the tin. <laughs> so smart container company, the, the reason, you know, generically calling it a container is because there's other use cases aside from beer that we can um, adapt the technology for. So there's so many different liquids traveling in kegs these days because of the sustainable element of bulk. So, and then there's other container types that we'll be able to do it for. We've already been approached um, by a number of different industries, healthcare, oil. Um, so, oh, okay. yeah, so we wanted to keep it somewhat generic. And then keg tracker is the product you know that we're working on right now so we can have the umbrella of the smart container company and then several products that are more specified i think it, i guess it, it comes back to people are quite uh, reluctant to change until they see that it helps and at the beginning people don't or don't know how to change 
Um, but once they see other people doing it, they've got to jump on the bandwagon, basically. Um, otherwise, they'd be left behind. Um, okay, next question for you, Tamara. Uh, when was it that you both kind of had this eureka idea? What was this moment that you sat down together and you thought, this is going to work? I guess there isn't well, one specific moment. I mean, as I said, so Eduardo had been working on the company probably like nine months in R&D before I joined. But, you know, I worked in VC like 10 years ago. I sat down across from him sort of not sure what he was going to tell me what he was working on. So for me specifically, it was that moment sitting with him when he explained to me, you know, the concept, the technology. I don't know. I guess I was sort of expecting that he was going to say something that I wouldn't find to be really a problem that existed that needed to be solved. Because, you know, mm -hmm. there are a lot of companies that you're kind of just trying to create something that looks like a solution for a problem that doesn't oh. necessarily exist. So I was really excited when he explained the concept behind what he was working on that first time that we sat down together, which, you know, is a huge reason that I decided to join. I mean, I didn't have a visa. I didn't have an income. <laughs> and he was like, I can't pay you. And I don't know how we're going to get visas. But and I was like, I'll do it. <laughs> so you have to sort of really believe to put yourself in that position. Um, but yeah, and it, I, as I said, you know, it evolved from the name to a few other things. But I think the way that it's come together is also a testament to how Eduardo and I work together really well and balance each other well. And I think rather than one eureka moment, it's just been a bit of a puzzle piece that's been fit together well you know and i know how difficult it is to get the visa in the uk as well so obviously that was a challenge and a hurdle that you had to overcome um eduardo what about for you um was there a moment or was it pretty much the same so it was this kind of puzzle together which you both have created uh well we went through multiple prototypes and multiple ideas before we got to this mm -hmm. the uh i guess eureka moment was really because we were uh, at some point trying to do scales to measure like the liquid coming out of the kegs and connecting them to the Wi-Fi, uh, but it wasn't until you know someone said, "Well, you know what, Eduardo, like you know, you guys are all pretty smart here. The scale is not really that sexy." <laughs> uh, and someone said, "Well, why don't we uh, try to connect, make the keg smart instead?" Mm -hmm. And that was sort of like, "Wow, that sounds actually pretty cool." making the container smart. We're not just focused on selling something to hospitality, but something to anyone that touches the container. So it, it changed our entire value proposition from focusing on wastage at the, at the pub to uh, selling market intelligence to the brewer nice. so that they can sell more product and package their products uh, in a more conscious, sustainable way. How did you go about finding your initial funding? Hard task. of Accelerator mm -hmm. and family and friends. So just through our, oh, and a lot, lot, lot of sweat equity. A lot of sweat again? A lot of sweat equity. A lot of, uh, <laughs> I guess, a lot of uh, working for free for the first year and a half. Yeah, there were a lot of people that volunteered or, you know, devoted time that they certainly didn't have to. How, what is the challenges that come with that? Is that difficult to ask your friends and family to trust in you to build this thing which you don't know if it's going to work yet? How do you overcome that? 
Well, generally the people who put money in early days are supporting a person, right? So when it comes to friends and family, it's those people that really believe in you. And obviously it comes with a little bit of insecurity on our part, like, you know, people are taking a risk on us. But again, if you have the conviction and we were taking risks, obviously of our own as well, um, the the goal is to make your friends and family a lot of money. <laughs> And, you know, we really believe in what we're doing. But yeah, it's super challenging to raise money um, on an idea, certainly in the very beginning. And then as it becomes more and more tangible, you know, the pressure becomes no less, but you have people that are more interested and more willing, a couple of people to, to make that commitment for other people to show up and say, yeah, actually... I can see why this would make sense. And yes, it's we a lot of pressure as well, because it's not just the pressure of you guys having to make it work. It's the pressure of your loved ones, your family as well, um, to make it work, which must be a difficult thing. How do you deal with the pressure? I mean, um, confidence and just being completely tenacious because mm. every day is different. There's Eduardo and I just joke about like the zigzag of life that is the entrepreneurial world. Literally, it's just like straight up and straight down in one day sometimes. And you just have to be able to grin and bear it and push through to the other side and just know that, you know, you're working towards something that makes sense. Right. Yeah. Like every time we have a down, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> We've been here before. Yeah. It's, it's expected to have a that down or end of the world moment. To be fair, Eduardo's calmer about those things than I am. But uh, practice yoga and meditation. That's my answer to your question. What do you do when you have that zigzag and you are down? What do you do? Do you go back to the drawing board? Do you plan it out or do you just write it out? How, how do you approach it? Uh, for me, I guess it's similar to what I had today, Tamara, with the team. Is uh, well, I I. I'm a planner, I'm a project manager, and I'm a strategy oriented. So, you know, for me, I just, you know, we have a problem. If we, if we didn't just know, I mean, that's having a problem is just have problems all the time. Mm -hmm. But having a solution and coming up with the solution, then tracking against the solution and, you know, defining the how, uh, you know, first you got to define the what, but then if you, once you know the what, you can come up with the how and the when and the who. So, you know, once we set all those things, uh, aligned up the, you know, the rest of those questions, that's when, uh, you know, you start feeling better because now you're making progress towards a goal in a thoughtful manner. It's a lot of Gantt charts, plans, actions, time timelines. It's calming in its own way, just because you have, a person assigned to each task working towards whatever the goal is in the moment in time. Tell me guys, this is a question from both of you. Tell me, obviously nowhere near, um, you're only in the starting blocks really at the moment of, of your company, of the, your startup, if you can call it a startup after around four years. Tell me what has been the biggest lesson you have so far learned, which you didn't know at the beginning. Eduardo, let's start with you. I guess the uh, for me is uh, uh, we're well, first of all we're still a startup because of the space that we're in we're a very R and D intensive company mm -hmm. so we're just exiting R and D like we're just putting our first product out in the market at the moment for trials at the end of this year 
I mean, if I would have known how long it was going to take, I would have probably not done it. <laughs> uh, like I said, it's uh, been uh, four or five years into this and the product's still not out. But that's because that's just how long it takes to bring all these type of hardware robotics products into the market. It's a lot, there's a lot of, uh, in, the, in the UK, they use, uh, universally, people use a, a life cycle of, that's called technology readiness. Mm -hmm. uh, for hardware companies, it's usually like five plus years to do the full, from inception to fully working product. When we first engaged the hardware design team, when we already had all these plans laid out, the technology had been sort of working in a test environment. You just can't anticipate that mm. it's gonna take many, many years. Um, but at the same time, we're now at this exciting moment where it's you know all about to sort of come to be, come to fruition. Mm -hmm. uh, so patience is key and that's been a huge lesson. And I think that just kind of dials back to what we were talking about before with all the ups and downs, tenacity and patience. And, you know, a lot of people give up and it's understandable. Mm -hmm. It's not easy to get through to the other side. And I think I have so much respect for all the companies that have managed to commercialize and have paying clients and where, you know, they started similarly to us with literally nothing. What has this success, what has this challenge, um, you know, all of this time that you put uh, towards uh, creating the smart container company, what has it cost you? Not money-wise, what has it cost you personally? Every success comes at a cost of something, whether it's friendships, family, free time, what does it cost you? Well, I don't really see it that way. I mean, I think financially, probably it has, <laughs> um, but I see it as what it would cost me to not be doing it, I guess, which is why I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. Nice. Uh -huh. Eduardo? Uh, for me, I mean, financially, this first few years, uh, we're usually all in debt and, you know, not have, don't have a lot of money to spend, but we have equity, so that's good. Uh, but the, uh, what has it cost me? I'd say um, some gray hairs <laughs> and some extra pounds. <laughs> hey guys it's me again if you enjoyed this episode of the show be sure to press the thumbs up button below and also while you're there hit subscribe otherwise you could miss out on all of our interesting content we've got coming your way in the near future okay guys take care and see you soon